0: Mortgage Investors Group would like to celebrate our country's independence by thanking all of our military veterans and those who are currently serving our country. We understand and are so grateful for the sacrifices
1: you have made for our freedom. MIG would also like to honor the memory of those who have died defending our nation and their families who have given so much for her defense.
2: Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray.
0: Welcome into the Housing Hour. I am Kevin Ray, your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. We want to thank you guys for stepping into the housing hour with us. Hope you've got your coffee ready because we have a very special show for you today. And the show is Echoes from the Greatest Generation. We've gathered some folks together from Echo Ridge Retirement Community in Knoxville here. And we're speaking to them about their time and experience, uh, World War II uh, specifically. And, of course, being that it's part two, you guys um, have enjoyed the part one of this series. And I certainly enjoyed doing part one part one. This has been just a great and fascinating part of the, f- the first part was fascinating. I learned so much from those guys and I sh- certainly appreciate you putting that together.
3: Well, it's a lot of fun bringing all these folks into the uh, studio to record with us. And I appreciate their, uh, you know, willingness to come in, in with us.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the takeaway that I had from the last <laughs> show is just that there really was a sense of unity about what they had to accomplish mm-hmm. and that's really kind of been the theme so without any further ado we have jd dewhurst is that how you pronounce that yes okay and you were with the marine corps marine corps well tell me a little bit jd if you don't mind just give me an overview a little bit about yourself and what you did in the military and just whatever you'd like to talk about we just want to hear about
1: you okay i was a farm boy my dad was a farmer and uh so i i, I grew up on a farm in southern illinois uh, I, I, I was very interested in, in, uh, you know, school and going, knowing that you have to go on to school. That's, mm-hmm. that's almost a must, unless you have, unless you're really pointed in some direction,
4: mm-hmm. which, which
1: helps a lot and all that. But anyway, I, uh, I, uh, my dad was a good farmer, but I never thought I, I wanted to be a farmer. I just, uh, there was too many other things to do. And I, so I, uh. I major I, I started off in geology, and I, I finished in geology. Anyway, University of Illinois had a good geology school. In fact, in, fact, in 1942, Illinois was the was the uh, fourth largest oil producing state in the wow. in, in the in the country. You know, for for uh, the states,
4: mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, and, and Illinois was just a, was just a good 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 state. And so i had an interest there and anyway i uh i i graduated from high school in forty two mm-hmm. and then that fall of forty two i i went to the i started at the university uh in the geology department
0: you wanted to get into oil is kind of what you yeah, wanted to get yeah, into oil geology yeah. geology oil, oil. oil was
1: my main interest you know? hmm uh
0: We That's did. one of the common themes I think I see is that people had something that they wanted to get into. Yes. But there was something else that they ended up doing because of, well, partly Pearl Harbor probably played a part in that. Oh, yeah. And do you remember where you were? when you?
1: I was a student. Mm-hmm. I was a student there.
0: Well, what did you experience when that happened?
1: When that happened? As mm-hmm. far as what?
0: Just what was your emotions? And you see this happening. We've been attacked. And, it, you know, what kind of stirred well, you feel, in
1: you? you feel that it's your duty. Mm-hmm. you feel you know you love your country and uh, a farm area
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, you have the soil you think about the soil you have animals and it all it's all part of a good life
0: and so what did you do in the marine corps when you when you did ca- get called up and you you went went into well, the well, marine. yeah
1: i i graduated from high school in and uh in the in the uh the
0: uh summer 42, of 42. Mm-hmm. and
1: then that 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 fall semester and I, I enrolled. At, at, I still was in there, not thinking too much about the war, but anyway, mm-hmm. naturally you thought about it. Mm-hmm. But we just, uh, just one of those things that just happens. Mm-hmm. And there's people, the the loyalty feeling that that, that we have, most people have. Mm-hmm. I think most boys have it.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so anyway, I, I I wanted to to get in, and I I wanted to get in the Marine Corps. I thought that would be. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Marine it always sounded great to me. Yeah, and so that's what I did.
0: And so, what did you do when you got in there? What was what was your what was your job
1: in the Marine Corps? Mm-hmm. Well, you went to boot camp. Mm-hmm.
0: Boot camp was, was the, that was the first thing. The
1: big, yeah, at the boot camp, and you just. Uh, you know, he didn't think anything about. But your war, you're going to fight. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to fight the Japs. You hated the Japs, and
0: mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right?
1: Because they bombed Pearl Harbor.
0: Right, that was the enemy and at the time.
1: Was, yeah, and that really uh, that changed everything. You
0: know, th- let me ask you a question. Because did you think about Germany in this mix? Because obviously, they were doing injustices in Europe and so forth. But was, were they kind of signaled to you as being the enemy, or were you focused just on Japan?
1: I think more more than likely. You know, you really don't know. I've forgotten so much. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how you forget. Right. But uh, I was just, uh, you know, very patriotic. Mm-hmm. Most people were patriotic. And, and you just, you did your duty. That's what you did. That's right. So
0: you were going, you, so you went from being in, yeah. uh, going to be a geologist. Yes. To then you were going in to be in the Marine Corps. And, yes. And yeah. it was, like you said, fight. That, and that went, was what I you wanted to be
1: in the Marine Corps. Because mm-hmm. I just I kind of believed in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I thought they were they were probably the best fighting force.
3: And they generally don't need geologists. They just are just <laughs> the you know <laughs> these guys bodies, are just <laughs> do they need bodies bodies to fight. You guys were the offense. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
0: And so what so did. well I went yeah, I went to, I yeah.
3: went
1: to uh, uh, you go to school. Mm-hmm. You know you, you, I mean you, you go in, once you get in the Marine Corps you go to boot camp. Right. And I went to San Diego boot camp. It mm. took some tests and all that stuff, then mm-hmm. you go in and it was a uh i don't know I, I i did i guess i did well on some of the tests they gave us or something like that mm-hmm. and i was just very uh i not not that i wanted a career and I wasn't even thinking about that I wanted to get in there and do your more right you know what you think about mm-hmm. and anyway i uh after the after after boot camp which was okay, fifteen months. Mm-hmm. I believe something like that i uh oh what i do I did i did there was so many so much you could do, mm-hmm. but I, I was gun hole. like most marines were mm-hmm. you know we we could beat anybody and
0: that kind of stuff, yeah,
1: and so I
0: bet you they wanted to i mean you forty two right then in the thick of it, yeah. um, and they were preparing you know in forty four I guess is you know you know when everything started to happen um and that's probably right. When you kind of came online,
1: yeah. Well, that, well, I didn't think about it. Being a farm boy, you don't think too much about war, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're kind of exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And the Marine Corps was, was just added a little more macho to it, mm-hmm. and so I just—that's what happened. I just, I just stayed in there, and then they, so they sent me. I did pretty well on some of the tests that you take. You take tests, mm-hmm. and they sent me to Mex uh, 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 Mex school. Mm-hmm. I went to. They sent me to A school. Then I did well in A school, and they sent me to, to B school. That was a specialist school, mm-hmm. and I ended up a carburetor specialist. Mm-hmm. Well, bring carry rifleman the first thing. That's what you are, or mm-hmm. machine gunner. Right. And it, it worked. It, you know, it worked out pretty well. But I just knew that that's that that's what I, you know, my my folks. I could have had a deferment. My dad had a big enough farm and all that. Mm-hmm. No, no, that wasn't for me. Right. I was.
0: Well, you know, uh, and, and this is something that I see when I, when I look into your eyes and I hear your story and I hear what you say, and I believe you wholeheartedly, it was your duty. It wasn't, you know, farming was, was in your blood. Maybe it was in your DNA, yeah. but when, when the, you know, what hit the fan in 41, it, it, it planted that seed, that seed inside of you that said, you know what? Part of my responsibility as an American, as a man is to protect my family. And that's what you did. And that's, that's just that's, what you did. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. You know, when you get right down to it, you get in a serious mode and all that. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, you know. And so I, uh, I went to the Marine Corps, and I, I did well in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: I, was, I was just a young guy. I was, what, 17 years old, I guess. Or maybe I was 18, probably 18. And, and
0: do you remember 18. where you were stationed, where you ended up? What, what cities were you in? Well,
1: I went to boot camp in San Diego. Mm-hmm. That's the hotbed of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Cherry Point, North Carolina, was also a big place for the East Coast, mm-hmm. but the West Coast. And, and I, I remember uh, we, we graduated, and they gave us like a two days off. Mm-hmm. And so we heard about the Hollywood Canteen up in L.A. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. So, yeah, sure, I went up there. Absolutely. Know. And we were, we were standing out out listening to the the band play in there. Mm. And they, oh, there, there's Harry James. They're, you know, and there's oh, all these wow. big name bands, which yeah. is very important to us. We had, sure. the, we had the good danceable music then. Everybody danced. People yeah. don't dance now
3: like no. they did then. Yeah. So, so you we, jitterbugged, you're saying. We,
1: well, jitterbug, but you know, good, good. You know,
0: yeah. And they, that's I wish we had a camera in here. <laughs> see a little yeah, bit of it. And it, it was He's
1: good sticking. and the girls, the starlets were there. Mm-hmm. We thought we'd see the big movie stars, but these were mostly the younger starlets and that. yeah, but they were they were
0: they were good. Now <laughs> later in life later in life you you were in the FBI. Yes. Right? at, at certain points. Yeah. Can you share anything but, about your, your career after you left the uh Marine Corps?
1: Well I I, I guess I'm trying to think about yeah, the Marine Corps, because that well, I had to do something. Then you know, mm-hmm. uh, after that, the war was over. Mm-hmm. The war was over, and I, I'd heard about the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody had, you know, that's the that's the, the place to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. uh, which I did, and I uh, I was accepted and went to training school and did that.
3: You know, what cities? Well. What cities did you uh, huh? work with the FBI in?
1: Uh, I they, first of all, they sent me to New York City, which was kind of a plus. Yeah, to sure. go to be able to go to a big city like New York, mm-hmm. and I, I
0: you weren't in the farmland anymore. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: farm boy in New York City. Yeah, and uh, New York. First of all, I went to Boston. Boston. They sent you. It's kind of a small office to begin with. They sent me to Boston. Boston to New York. New York, and then uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. and I—I I was just—I was just, you know, it was first class. Mm-hmm. Everything was first class.
3: And did did you ever meet? Because one of the heroes from that period of time is Jay Agar. Oh sure. Did you ever uh, get yeah. to? Did he ever yeah. talk yeah. to him or get to meet him? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you didn't spend very much time with him. He <laughs> was too busy mm-hmm. and all that. But yeah, he was—he uh, was a pleasant guy, you know, mm-hmm. no nonsense.
0: And when you continued with the FBI, I mean, I continued. Yeah. yeah, Part of, part of what, what I hear everybody talking about, you know, is protecting the, our freedoms and, and from abroad, but also from within, you know, and that's kind of what the FBI, you continued your career protecting Americans is what all I'm saying.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, that, that's the, the the bureau was for the federal government for Mm. the whole place like that. Mm -hmm. And a good bunch of guys, with a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. We were all a little older, you know. We'd all been in the service or we'd done something, which mm-hmm. which uh, which made it probably helped a little bit, you know.
0: Now well, you've yeah. heard you've. you've I, I
1: careered. Yeah. I careered the FBI. Mm-hmm. I think I had twenty-eight years, I believe.
0: Like wow, it. that's incredible. Yeah.
1: Uh, and most of all, in it, a big city. Mm-hmm. And I liked the big city. I sure, you would have liked it. But I liked New York City.
0: Mm. You never went back to farming?
1: Uh no. No, I, I never really went back. Yeah. Oh yes I did. Beg your pardon. Yeah. I did there, there there at the at the end.
0: At the end. You always go back to where you came from. Yeah.
1: Because I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we bought a bought a I I bought a farm uh in in oh not far from Knoxville. Mhm. A little further a little further south. But uh Do you still own it? No. You don't own it anymore? No. What happened? They had a. They had a. Uh, uh, this one farm It had an antebellum home on it, and it was in. It was in bad shape. It needed mm-hmm. a lot of fixing up with tender loving care. So. And
0: you were able to give that tender so, loving care to it.
1: Yeah. So hmm. I, I, I fixed that up, and it was it was it turned out to be a nice, uh, really a nice place.
0: Well, J.D., uh, I tell you, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you sharing a little of your story with us. <laughs> Because I I think that that's one of the takeaways for me is that that really that perseverance and that dedication and it comes out full colors from you. And we appreciate what you've done for us and for the duty that you have have in your heart and what you were able to do in your life. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us today. All right. And we will continue with this series. We'll continue with this show in just one moment after these messages.
2: Again, Kevin Ray.
0: And we're back here listening to echoes from the greatest generation. I'm Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. And we are um, kind of looking back and looking back over the history of our country from a military standpoint and all the things that went on in World War II. And um, we're getting ready to talk to our next guest. We also want to thank Knox Homes Magazine for being a sponsor also of this special series that we have. And you can reach the Knox Homes Magazine through thenoxhomes.com. You can contact them there. Thank you to them. Um, And, you know, um, there's so much, Mark, that I look at. Before we get with to Bruce, that I look at back happened that back in the thirties, of course, they went through the Great Depression, and then there was really this this built in kind of attribute which was sacrifice and determination and all that they went through in the thirties, so it was almost natural, I think, and I'm not trying to speak for them, but those those characteristics were naturally kind of given in the forties
3: when all of this came about. It just seems like that generation is so dedicated to a particular service. And, um, you know, I think looking back to that era, everybody questions whether we have that today. Yes. And I think we do. I, I think, think it's there. Do. I think it's inherent. And I think it's because of these guys who were my father. Mm-hmm. My father was w- World War II. He's not here with us mm-hmm. anymore. But these guys are what in, instills that feeling and patriotism and endurance and perseverance through me Absolutely. and so and it that's comes a great out thing. in
0: different ways i think it does and you know we as our generation had the september 11th which yes. was kind of like our pearl harbor and so we, we but we're not in the same spot so without any further we could talk about that for hours without any further ado we're going to move on to talk with our next guest and we have bruce chamberlain here bruce um comes to us uh, also he's with uh, he's with the echo ridge retirement community um in way from science hill i suppose where he went to high school right
2: yeah, I was deferred long enough to graduate from Science Hill, and oh, yeah. we had played Knox High two years before. A yeah. year before, it was zero to sixty-three. Uh, <laughs> you beat that, them that bad? That year, we tied them in the mud with uh, right. uh, a fairly good team. And they were state champions.
0: Steve Spurrier was a quarterback. No, weekend. no, this is, <laughs> I'm just
2: kidding. Uh, I got well. I won't get into that. Yeah, but uh, no, this was uh, when Bob Lund was playing for Knox High in 1944.
0: Mm-hmm. So you and were in the Navy. We
2: tied them in the mud mm-hmm. at Johnson City. Yeah, I was a first until February. Mm-hmm. Went in the Navy. Um, left Chattanooga in 78 degrees. Got off in Chicago, and it was 28 degrees. And I didn't see the ground again from Great Lakes uh, until March when I went home for boot camp. Mm -hmm. I came back and went to electrician school and finished up electrician school after the bomb had been dropped. Mm -hmm. But we headed to the West Coast. We didn't know why, but it turned out we were going to become part of the magic fleet. A magic carpet that brought the people home from the Pacific. Mm. And um, at Shoemaker, uh, I was sent to um, a ship at Richmond, California, and picked up an escort carrier, Admiral of the Islands, 99. It's called um, uh, Kaiser and Coffin. Kaiser had launched it in. It was commissioned just a little over a hundred days, and it was made out of tin paper, or tin foil. But at any rate, we were moving off the airplanes and putting up enough uh, bunks five high to bring home uh, as many people as we could. Our first trip was to Hawaii. Mile away we picked up the second Marine Division, and they had a out, and they all ran to the port side of the ship, and it took about an eight-degree list. <laughs> and um, <laughs> from that time on, it never stopped rocking because it took all the ammunition off wow. um, eventually. And all it was stopping it with, was with people. Mm. So we came back to the States, San Diego, we let them off, went to San Francisco, did some repairs, took out of there, and it a darnedest storm there ever was and we kept rocking again. Wow. Um, we got pretty badly beat up and the skipper wanted to come back but they wouldn't let him and it ended up in the Hawaiian Islands. I don't know how we got so far off course, but after shooting at a concrete life preserver that a ship from uh, Holland, our Dutch ship had dropped. They used gunnery practice on it. We proceeded on to um, Anna Weetalk, where they dropped something off for the future atomic bomb test that they had there in Bikini. Only time I was shot at, uh, the war was over with, but we passed the Japanese island uh, east of Guam, probably two days. And they were still shooting at us, but we were well out of range. But they were still on the island fire. They
0: hadn't got the memo.
2: <laughs> Pardon?
0: They had not received word no, that they, they had surrendered. They
2: were. they didn't believe
0: it. Oh, uh-huh, they didn't believe back it. Guam was the same way. They didn't have the Twitter or the Facebook back then. Uh, no, yeah. no. <laughs> now, let me ask now, you this. Actually, there
2: was one Japanese man. It was back, uh, you probably don't remember but he was years mm. there before he retired. Um, he stepped in the uh, in the uh, swamps, mm. and uh, it was years before he he ever surrendered. now, now so let, they were hard hard to give up.
0: Let me ask you this, because so you know, of course, we had Germany surrender in May of '45. Then you had, of course, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So you're kind of coming in at the time that this is all finalizing. But your role was, I think, vitally important. And that's what's amazing is all of our individuals here today play different roles and had different parts to this production, if you will. And yours was as instrumental as others. And so you were kind of tasked with going and getting these these soldiers and and bringing them home. Right. right. Five high in the bunks and you're headed out to Hawaii first. You know, you're rocking the boat. Talk about the emotions. I mean, how did it feel to be a part of that, to bringing home? You had seen it in the news. You had been following it, I'm sure. So talk about how that felt. Well, to
2: we picked up the 2nd Marine Division there in Maui, mm-hmm. and they had cooled down some. Mm-hmm. But they said that when they came there, they were rolling hand grenades under huts to watch them blow up. Mm. And uh, they wow. had calmed down. Their, I won't talk about it some of the brutal things that they had talked to us about. Mm. They had gone in on, I don't remember whether it was Iwo Jima or which island it was, but they were, they had taken a beat. Uh, we picked up the CBs in Guam, that trip. We crossed the international date line. It was interesting.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: The fellow below me, I know it was the 3rd of October, because it was his birthday. We didn't have the third of October. We were the second of October. He woke up on the fourth. He said, how old am I? (laughs) But uh, at any rate, it was interesting that in events like that. Yeah. um, We picked up the CBs coming back to the States, and there was a poker game going on, three tables, the full length, and it only traveled. eight knots. It took almost a month to get from Guam to San Francisco. And uh, there was a poker game going on. Some fellas went home wealthy. Some of them went went home broke. They paid them uh, three years' pay when they came home. Uh, They had been on most of the islands rebuilding Airport, air, air strips, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and they hadn't been home in that
0: of time. And so, when you're traveling and you're um, talking to these folks, and you know, some of them, I mean, they experienced, like you said, absolutely horrific conditions, and the the sights and sounds that they had to record in their minds were probably sights and sounds that I will never ever see, other than in, maybe in movies, which will never do it justice. Um, Saving Private Ryan is one that I, I point to that that I have heard from veterans that is one of the most accurate, if not closest to, but I I can't even imagine being the, having the the strength and determination to do things like that. And then, so that's what these folks had seen.
2: Well, to tell you a story, my one of my best friends in college at UT, I went here, um, came from Ripley, Tennessee. His old high school class of boys, only about 15 joined, and went in the Marines. He was the only one that came home. Mm-hmm. He could never go back to his town again because too many families wanted to tell the story how their sons were lost. Mm-hmm. So he he was pretty jacked happy. Somebody threw a firecracker in the room. He tore the window out getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a pretty good job coming back, I think.
0: Well, I mean, being able to reacclimate yourself to life back home after what was one of the bloodiest, you know, four years or or however many um, of American military history at the time, I would assume, right? Um, it, it was
3: certainly stressful. Well, one of the other things about bringing all those guys home, there was an impact at home. I wrote a blog. Uh, mm-hmm. On Levittown, oh yeah, on that one, the history of suburbia, and one of the things that I found was all those military coming home, which you brought them home, Bruce. Um, all those dumping into these uh, communities presented a lot of problems about economics. Uh, there was shortage of housing, shortage of a lot of different things. A lot things. of opportunities. A lot of opportunities. <laughs> so that was, that was just another thing that uh, your all's generation had to overcome. You come back from a war, now you got another problem about how to deal with everybody coming back, well, jobs.
2: Uh, yeah. To remind you of, of is Athens, I think, where the veterans took over the uh, – Town from the Cantor regime that was had it blocked, and <laughs> they went in and took it uh, the uh, sheriff's office over mm-hmm. and ran the sheriff out of town. Wow. Where, where was this? Uh, Athens, Tennessee. Oh, Athens, I think it was Athens. Oh. not it? I, 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 I will have to look that up. His, that was history. Mm-hmm. And, so they took um,
3: the military took it over the returning young boys.
2: Yeah, boy. yeah I, there was there was many instances. The veterans were were respected a great deal, though. Mm-hmm. Anybody that fought in service, yeah, in in most places, were very well ex, uh, accepted and respected. I think.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and you got to see that firsthand, and and I, I think. think yeah.
2: in the past, and I don't know why we didn't we lost that respect for the veteran. Mm. Uh, some of them in some wars, yeah, I won't get
0: into that but yeah well and i think that's one of the reasons we're doing this show is because there are stories but it's 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 i think part of the problem i think is that we and i'll speak for myself have not done a good enough job understanding where we came from in the past and how we got to where we are today and i think that i'll take responsibility for myself in that and and i think that there's just this instant gratification generation that we are in now where people they don't care what happened in the past. I'm not doing a blanket statement, but I think a lot of them, it's they don't understand it. They have not they have not, not had the desire to learn it. And so for me at least, and Mark I would say is the conduit to that generation for me is because he know you know, he knows Buford, he knows others, he knows all of you. I wanna know because I wanna know how to instruct and teach my kids on how it is that we got to where we are and in, 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 in where we are in America.
3: And so and oftentimes, Bruce, it gets blurred. I mean, it, back in World War II, it was clear who the enemy was and their aggressions ah, toward yeah. us. And then others' but wars became political. And so that's where we kind of made the mistake, I think, with mm-hmm. uh, just our attitudes. We got yeah. too political where we should have been just behind the yeah. soldiers and forgot about the political side of it. No, that's, that's my opinion.
0: That's That's a good point. So when you got to do what you did, and and you left out, what did you what did you end up um, uh, taking away from from your whole experience?
2: Well, my whole experience was I had a lot of a lot of time after that in the in the uh, states. Um, not a lot, but uh, in Atlanta and in Charleston, mm-hmm. and I went to school. And the service is the best-paying job I ever had. Yeah. Because I've never gone I'd gone to college, and I not had the uh, payments to, to go to college by the government. Mm. I think that's one thing we definitely should keep in mind for our men coming home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: I agree completely.
2: And um, it's going to be an expense, but we're going to have these expenses for the men coming home and we can't cut the military bill that out when we cut the military budget yeah well hey i
0: tell you i i agree with you wholeheartedly and i'll make sure i do my part to voice that to the politicians and the people that are decision makers bruce thank you very much for sharing your story with us thank you so absolutely we'll be right back after these messages
2: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
0: Welcome back to the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray, your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And we are continuing to listen to Echoes from the Greatest Generation, and we're closing out this two-part series that we've been doing called the Echoes from the Greatest Generation. We had some folks uh, from Echo Ridge Retirement Community, and we have a very exciting last segment to this, um, and it's something that MIG is trying to do to give back to our veterans. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. We have Chris Gerlach here from MIG. Um, before we do, though, um, I'd like to unpack more for our listeners and, and really close, I guess, and tie up for all of our listeners what we have just talked about. And, and you know, we've talked about the characteristics that these folks have. And and we look at my I look at my grandmother. I look at my even my grandfather that died in 86. I knew him a little um, and he was in Korea. And, and, you know, I look at all of their 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 just their personal characteristics and, and a couple of them that comes out just really clear is determination, perseverance, and really just not being able to take um, any situation and let it get you down. It's like, I've got a goal in mind and I'm going to focus on that goal. And no matter what happens around me, no matter what type of issues or situations come up, I'm going to meet that goal and I'm going to put the people in place to get to where I'm going. And I, I, not that this generation, the one that I'm currently in, doesn't have those characteristics, but I don't think that they've been put in a situation where it's, it's kind of do or die, you know. Um, but anyway, what are your thoughts about that?
3: Well, that's just it. And, and these guys and, and women, and, and that's the other part of this, Kevin, that we're going to uh, go into part three or part four, perhaps, mm-hmm. and get some of the wives of Absolutely. some of these guys, uh, wartime brides during you know, that period of time, mm-hmm. and talk about the home front. Because it was not just the veterans who did their great things on the battlefields and all the service that they did, keeping all the equipment going and you know on and on. Mm-hmm. But it was the folks that were at home feeding that war machine by keeping the factories open, making the equipment that they need to have, men and women keeping the home front. So that was hugely important. And they're yeah. just as focused and they're just as driven as their men that were out in the field. We'll definitely
0: have to have me, mommy, my grandmother. I I'd love to mommy. get her and on. That would be great. And you make a good point too about that because, you know, Don, who is my brother-in-law, he's a Lieutenant Colonel. He's had three tours in like the last mm-hmm. four years. And I see how she, Kim, his wife, has taken care of you know things at home. And, and, and that has happened from generation to generation going back. And so that's really what I think about. I think about all of the stories that they were able to share. And now that I've heard those stories, I can pass that on to my kids. And, and not just the specific stories, but the characteristics, the things that they need to have. And you know what? Um, the takeaways. The takeaways. Our kids today, although there are challenges, certainly, there absolutely are challenges, but the challenges are much different than they were in the thirties, coming out of the Great Depression, you know, really having to sacrifice. When you talk about sacrifice, you know, we don't. I mean, we've dealt with the the Great what did we call it recession the great recession recession, um, and nothing against it, it was bad, but there wasn't nearly the devastation economically. And then they went right from that to World War II. I right. mean, it was like right di- directly after, which which actually probably helped get them out of,
3: you know. Well it's it it's does. like your parents always tell you that you think you have it bad and and then you to you find someone else who has it worse. Mm-hmm. This generation was up against uh you know a domination dominating tyrannical guy with Hitler trying to rule the world. And then you had the, the guy Emperor, in Japan wasn't
0: too smart. And either. the
3: guy in Japan wasn't, uh, you know, so nice either. Mm-hmm. So they were up against a really huge thing. So uh, we think we have it bad with the Great Recession. There's always somebody that has it worse. These guys had it pretty yeah,
0: bad. You're absolutely right. And you, you made the point also um, earlier um, about – one of the things that we have benefited from Mortgage Investors Group and all of the people who are able to own homes in this generation. And, and that's one of the things that was fought for in the 40s, in World War II, in Korea, in Vietnam, in all of the different wars that we've been a part of, to Iraq, to Afghanistan. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's simple. Either, either we, we continue to protect our freedom or we don't. Mm-hmm. Freedom is not free. We have to pay for it and it's paid for by the men and women who serve our armed forces on the front line. The people like Don Evans, the lieutenant colonel, the people like these folks that we have here with us today. Those are the people that are paying for our freedom. And not just them but their wives and and family, and, and, members. and family members. Yeah. yeah. I look at Harrison, he's had to sacrifice Don's son, you know, for not having a father for he's five years old for about three out of the five years his father's been active duty overseas right so and and, you know which brings me to the next thing um one of the things that mig has really taken on this year is trying to to give back to the community we've always done it we've always had that as a part of what we are uh, what we stand for but we've really taken a more of an active role and we have chris gerlock here from mig and you know chris first of all thank you for coming in thanks kevin absolutely one of the things that we Did And it's a part of what we're announcing today and and trying to encourage people to get, it's not just about MIG. As a matter of fact, MIG has nothing to do with it other than we are taking a supportive role in it, but it's called Hero Miles. Can you tell me a little bit about what Hero Miles is?
5: I can, um, if I can back it up. It actually originates with the Fisher House Mm -hmm. Foundation, uh, which is an organization much like McDonald's House. Okay. uh, To kind of give you a correlation of... um, But instead of supporting families with ill children, they are supporting the military families of wounded warriors. Mm. Uh, So it's a a tremendous organization. There are 61 Fisher Houses around the country, um, and they are located on military installations and um, next to the VA medical centers. So what leads us to Hero Miles is um, the Fisher House Foundation accepts donations of frequent flyer miles, from seven of the major airlines. And then they they use those miles to fly in family members to the bedsides of our wounded warriors. Um, and you know just a tremendous win-win, of course. Um, these miles are, are just sitting out there. Many people have a few, but they're never going to have enough to get a plane ticket anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so at MIG um, this month, we are trying to um, collect enough um, within the company to the twenty-five thousand it takes to, to um, initiate one ticket. We, we, I mean, so you can imagine there's, you know, a, a lot of people who need to be flown out and, and need this kind of help. And we're hoping to just at least get one ticket. Right. So it's got, it's wonderful that you're having us on the show to talk mm-hmm. about this and hope that you know people around Knoxville will stop and think. Uh, and honestly, if you've flown in the last six months, it's not too late to go and sign up for. A frequent flyer mile request those miles that you've already flown mm. and it might be a thousand miles it might be 1500 miles it might be 600 you know and these you start dropping these in a bucket yeah. and they add up and they these, absolutely these, do yeah i mean you, you can imagine that there's nothing better um, if, if you've been hurt or even ill uh, you know as a veteran and in one of these facilities to have your family members be brought to your side mm. i mean that it'd be no expense to your family and and they also have a um, Hero Hotels program. So if you're a person who you know, gets on the road and drives, but you also stay in hotels and you rack up points there, they also accept donations of those points.
0: Yeah. And,
5: and um, then that helps them um, as well in getting people to them.
0: I mean, just that I'm hearing you say that, it, it is so important, I think, to have a family member. You know, if you're wounded and you're, you're coming back, and you have a, a family member. I mean, that just seems like a absolute necessary piece of the um, kind of healing process. Sure. But unfortunately, um, you know, they might not have that ability because uh, the military, because they have cost, pro, you know, right. it, things are cost prohibitive. You you can't just say, well, yeah, I'll send, you know, Sally and Billy, bring them on down. You know, I mean, they have to look to their own resources. And you know as many great programs as the v a has, you know they cannot do everything, you know, just like we can't do everything for everybody we can't just be a handout right. government, <clears throat> but what we can do is do like what Fisher House is doing is partner with people who are do have a bigger vision and do have the the resources to put together a program like this the fisherhouse dot org is a great Great website. It's very self-explanatory. It is, and it's very easy to donate.
5: Right, and you can donate the miles. You can donate hotel points. You can certainly donate money. They uh, they have lots of need for that as well. Yeah. You can volunteer at these houses. Um, while they are managed um, with a staff person, they're almost all volunteers who who are really you know behind the scenes making it it happen every day. Um, and sometimes these these frequent flyer points are used for a veteran himself who might want to get to a an event. Um, and sometimes you see these events on TV, you know, where they've brought in some veterans um, who are currently in rehabilitation and, and undergoing um, uh, their healing process, but there's things for them to get out, out out to do, and of course the military can't afford to send them on, on those event things, so the points are used for that as well, and um um, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I've been guilty many times of just letting points expire, not not oh, yeah. knowing. You know, right. I mean, I had you know, a couple thousand, but it was never going to get to 20 or 25 that it, right. that it takes, and they right. just expire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of people do them on their, their credit cards now, right. you know, racking up miles. And you take a look, and you go, well, I could spare 2000 off of that. Right. I have to give everything you got. Right. But, but a couple thousand from here and there, um, they, they really do add up. And
0: man it's such a yeah wonderful thing yeah. And, yeah, and I think that the the Fisher house being that they've got sixty one houses in operation, they have daily capacity of seven hundred and fifty five daily family right. capacity um even though that's great man there that is such an opportunity, it's such an opportunity to grow that it and is. make it bigger and better and and you know, like you just said, with the miles, you know you you see these miles accumulating. And, you know, it's like, well, what are you going to do with them? You know I mean? Are you going to use them? Can you spare two or 3,000 miles? Because again, just like when we've talked to JD and Bill and Buford and Richard and the people we've had on the series, you know, everybody can do a small part and it's their small parts collectively that can, that's what gets things done. It really makes an
5: impact. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, in, in the beginning, uh, of a wounded warrior's path, it might be that the family were able to come, um, but many times these rehabilitations take a long time, mm-hmm. and um, you know how how many times can can the family afford to come? Or 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 okay, mom and dad got there, but what about that best friend that would just really really make a difference mm-hmm. um, to, to show up at the bedside? And and uh, the, these things really matter. They absolutely. really help. Yeah, and well, they're a great way for us to say thank you for serving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I really appreciate what you're doing to support this. And bringing these things to flourishing and helping to manage these for on behalf of all Mortgage Investors Group employees, we want to thank you for what you're doing. Well, it's my sure. pleasure. Absolutely. I feel honored to do it. Absolutely. Well, we're going coming to the end of this two part series so far, but like you mentioned, we're leaving the door open for more series at down the line.
3: We are, and and on our website, thehousinghour.com, mm-hmm. we're going to have all the links that you need to mm-hmm. to participate. And it's in so Hero easy. Miles. I did donate some miles.
0: It's super simple to do. Delta, it was just a couple of clicks, and bam, it was done. So definitely. If I can announce the
5: the airlines, Kevin, just real quick. Um, um, AirTran, American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Delta, United Airlines, um, and U.S. Airways. Okay. Um, So if you've got some points out there.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well I appreciate that and and I'll tell you um this series so far has been tremendously beneficial for me personally because I have forgotten I think sometimes about what it meant Um, to have this generation create for us the opportunities that we um, have been afforded today and not just the opportunities, but the absolute blessings that have poured into our lives as a result of what they did. Nothing I did. It's a, was a result of, and you know, we're going to continue to support that. And it's just been a really honor to to have time to spend with each of you guys. Um, And on behalf of mortgage investor group, we thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you for all that you did for us. And we will definitely, definitely see you guys next time. Don't forget thehousinghour.com. You come on there. You'd like to share this with other people. Please do so. You can share this show within about an hour. it will have it up. But until next time, I'm Kevin Ray. And for Mark Griffith, we'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour.
2: That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know. So come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.